Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. So today is the first day of our merged campuses. Thank you so much for being here, for taking that step. If especially you're from Washington, and, and we're glad that, that you're present in this room right now. So thank you for doing that. As I dive into the message today, I actually want to connect the dots for us on a couple of things. Um, and so our text, as we continue in our series, will actually speak to a little bit about what God might want to be doing in us next. So I want to talk about that in just a minute. But before I do, one particular piece of the merge was our staffing. So if um, you're all aware of our staff, and we actually had for both of our campuses administrative assistants, one at each campus. And in the merge, it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen there? Well, both Kathy and Anne are going to remain on staff sharing the role together. So I just wanted to pass that on to you. Yeah, we're excited to have both of them remain. They actually, it's kind of fun for me, they, they both came up with a very similar solution independent of one another, and I loved it, like the hand of God right there. So they will both be here, uh, part of our staff in an ongoing way, so you might interact with either one of them uh, as you might reach out to the office. And then one other staffing-related matter I want to share with you about my wife, Jessica. She's been helping out uh, our staff in this time where we've just been diminished in, in some of our roles, and so she has actually come on board in a part-time role serving as our disciple director. And what that means is she's going to be helping in the long term more with our life groups and onboarding with, with the first impressions and, and membership and things like that. But in the meantime, she's been helping with kids' life, student life, and some of these areas that we have lack. So the elders have approved that, and they are on board with having her. She's got some great gifting that's going to be really helpful for our church. So we wanted to share all of those staffing updates with you. We're excited that God is providing in some significant ways. So it's really cool to see. So um, I want to pray, and then I want to dive into our message today. So would you join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you that we can continue to study your word. And I pray, God, that as we turn to the book of Mark, that you would be teaching us, and you'd be teaching us afresh. Lord, there might be some ideas we've heard before, or maybe some things that we've never heard before, but would we be different because we come face to face with you? Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the word. We are so grateful, Lord, that you meet us right where we are. We love you and we trust you, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So today is our, is our Merge Sunday. It's the beginning of a new chapter for us. And, and I do think it is that. It is a new chapter. We are stepping into something new. We're not going back to the way things were. We're not stepping backwards. We're going forward. And I really think that's important for us as, as we're beginning to see what is it that God is going to do right now. I think it's prepare us for what's to come. And so we're heading somewhere. We're heading somewhere together. And while this is going to be probably a little vague or a little abstract, I think this is part of what uh, I'm supposed to say today and what God is preparing us for. And so I want to kind of say, like, where are we heading? Well, we're going after this. We want hearts that are fully surrendered and belonging to Jesus. We want to be cultivating people, cultivating hearts that are fully surrendered and fully belong to Jesus. That's where I think we're going. Now, what does that look like? I don't know yet. We're, we're discerning that. But I think this is something that has been coming up over and over again. 
As we, we're looking for hearts, people who are sold out for Jesus, who surrender to him fully, who belong with him fully. I think that's where we're going. I think this is what we're to be pursuing, to be going after as a church family. So um, it, it, he's wanting our hearts to, to follow him. We've been using this image of a triangle, and I think this is part of what's going to help us understand what this could look like. So in this series, as we've been looking at Mark, we've been using this triangle as an, a lens or an illustration. So what we want to do is we want to know the words of Jesus. We want to know what he taught. We want to do the things that he's asking us to do, the works. But a lot of times when we follow Jesus, we try to just keep it there. Like, we want to know the right things and then just go do it, right? Like, that's our default. We're, we're looking to move from the works, from the words, to the works. But Jesus wants us to be holistic. He wants us to see that we need to operate in the way of Jesus as well. He wants us to see that there is a particular way that we are to be. And that is the realm of the heart. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to see a story, an encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees that open this up just in a little bit more of a clear way. So if you've been with us, you know a lot of this stuff, but if you haven't, here's a quick recap. Jesus shows up on the scene. He announces the gospel, the good news. He's like, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's accessible. It's right here. Repent and believe or, or turn from the way things were to something new. Turn to me. And the way he goes about is he's teaching. He's teaching people about this, but he also, he's healing. He's healing diseases, and he's healing people of infirmities, and he's casting out demons. He's demonstrating the power of the kingdom. And he collects followers. He's like, you guys, I want you to come with me. I want, you, I want to teach you along the way. And what he ultimately do, does is he's showing them how to be like him. And what he's doing is he's pointing to this reality that now sin forgiveness. These things, like they're coming together. Sin is being wiped away. I'm offering you forgiveness. I'm providing you a way to life. That's what Jesus comes offering. But not everybody's on board. The religious leaders of the day, they start to hear Jesus, and they're like, no, 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 no. we don't like what you're saying. Some of this stuff is it's not quite jiving with what we expect. And Jesus even talks about that. He illustrates that like people are going to respond differently to me how are you going to respond? And that's the question that Mark is wanting us to wrestle with. How will we respond? He is Lord over all things. He's training us and teaching us how we're to be like him. How will we respond? So today, when we continue in our series, we're going to see the Pharisees show back up, and they're going to stir the pot even more. But Jesus is going to be ready. Because I think what he wants us to know is that there's more going on than sometimes what we think. We try to live at this top level, like word to works, but we need to tend to the way. What Jesus wants to do is show us the way. He wants to show us the way. And the thing that he wants to go after is this. Sometimes we can seem to be right on the outside. We can seem to be right with God. We might be like operating a particular, we can seem like we've got it all together on the outside. But Jesus wants us to see that the new way is actually better than that. And it's deeper than that. That's what he wants to show us. So I invite you, if you would, turn into the book of Mark. We're going to be looking at chapter 7 today. 
the book of Mark, chapter 7. And if you're not familiar with your Bibles, it's kind of the back third is the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. It's the first two books of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at chapter 7 in the book of Mark. So I encourage you to grab your Bible and turn there, or you can look at the words on the screen. So the book of Mark, chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to walk through in different chunks here, so we'll pause after our first few verses here. So beginning at verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw that some of his disciples were eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why do your disciples, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Pause there. What is this all about? Okay, so we see that the, these, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they're, they're like pastors in our day, right? They're the ones who show up and they kind of get around Jesus and, and they notice something about his followers. They're not doing what everyone else is doing. They're not washing their hands before they eat. Now, pause a second. Like, hey, parents, kids, like, wash your hands before you eat. Yes, that's a good thing. Like, that is not quite what we're talking about. Notice that word there was ceremonial washing. So what, what they're doing is they're seeing, it's like, hey, hang on a minute. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not going through the proper ritual before they eat. Jesus, what's up with that? And so, like, they're engaging on this. So let me kind of explain a little bit more of what's going on in, in, this, in this moment. See, the Pharisees, they were building on the law. They were building on the Old Testament where some of these practices and, and, and laws were given. It's like, here's how you need to carry yourselves if you want to follow me. And that's what the Lord's trying to teach them. And so they, they read the law and they tried to understand it, but they realized, like, man, there's some questions that we've got. And over the centuries, they would explain or expound upon the law. They would basically say, like, okay, here's what this text means. Here's what this law is all about. And they would add to it. And they would say, here's how we, how we do this. Here, here's how we're supposed to carry this out. And they would do all of these things to make sure that they were keeping the law. Now, what this was all about, this whole purity and like washing, of, they were, their ultimate goal was to have access to God. See, in the Old Testament, this idea of like access to God, you had to be in a kind of certain state. They called that cleanliness or purity. Like if you were to come to God, you're, you're supposed to be pure. And, and the point behind this was like you're giving your best. Now, sometimes we think about, like, when we hear clean or pure, we think, like, oh, you can't be bad, you can't do anything wrong, you have to be, like, perfect. Sometimes sin, like our wrongdoing, will make us impure or unclean. But sometimes it's a matter of just, like, you know what, I'm putting on my Sunday best, you know, that kind of thing. Like, we're, we're, we're coming ready to honor who God is. And so really, it might just be as much about a washing as anything else. And so, like, what they're trying to do is just, like, we, we want to we come to God the way he's asking of us, to, to be at our best. And so, before we assume, like, it's got to be perfect and just right, like, God's not, like, looking for us to, to be just pure white snow sort of thing. Like, 
That's not exactly what he was asking for. But what he is asking for is we, we, we come to him with the right kind of posture. That's what a lot of these clear, or cleanliness laws were all about. So when we get to this, like you need to wash your hands before you're eating anything, this builds on one particular verse that I want to show you. So it's in Exodus chapter 30, and this is where God has given the law to Moses, and he's talking about the priesthood, about Aaron and those who are serving at the temple or tabernacle. And so they're supposed to put a water basin. So picking up in verse 18 of chapter 30, you shall make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and feet. This is the only mention of a law about washing in the Old Testament. It's right here. This is it. And notice what it's talking about. It's talking about Aaron, the priests, what they are to do when they're carrying out their duties. So they're supposed to wash their hands before they offer the sacrifices, before they act as their role as priest. They're to come in there to wash. They're the only ones to do that. There is no law in the rest of the Old Testament that says all people should be washing their hands, especially before they eat anything. So what the tradition, the oral tradition in the years that would follow, would take this idea and say, we want to be clean, we want to be pure, and we want to make sure that we do all the things right. Oh, there's a washing thing. You know what? We should just all do that. Everybody should wash, and we should wash all the time. So anytime you eat something, yeah, 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 you should wash your hands before you do anything like that. And that's how we arrive at the tradition of the elders. This idea that Jesus and the, the Pharisees are wrestling about is an idea that's built from this, to say, like, okay, we want to make sure that we are purified. We want to make sure we have access to God. And what, what he's coming in to say is, like, hang on. Did you pay attention to where this really came from? So that's what Jesus is going to want to do. So I want to come back to the Pharisees. What is their question that they ask in verse 5? So I'm going to put verse 5 back up here one more time. What's the question that they ask? They're talking about eating food with defiled hands. They're, they're talking about this cleanliness thing. Like, they want to make sure that they've got access to God. And so they're doing all that they can. It's like, you've got to wash your hands. You, you can't be defiled. But notice, what's the first part of their question? Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? You see, what, what they're asking about is this clean, unclean kind of thing, but really what they're questioning about is that. Why aren't you, your disciples living according to the tradition of the elders? I think what we see here is it's not really about washing. It's not really about whether their hands are actually clean, ceremonially or not. What they're really asking about is like, why aren't you following the rules? Why aren't you doing what's expected of you? Why aren't you following the way things are supposed to be? What's up with that? That's their question. The question isn't really about cleanliness. Their question is about what they're following. And I think what you see in the heart of their question the Pharisees, they're asking, it's like, why aren't you following the tradition of the elders? They're pointing to something. They're pointing to this reality of how things are supposed to be, how we're to operate, how we're to live. Because we've got to have access to God. We've got to be right with him, correct? 
what this is about, I think is this, control. It's about control and self-sufficiency. You see, they're coming in, it's like, you, you got to follow the rules. you got to do what the tradition of the elders says. You have to manufacture the right kind of environment, the right kind of thing to be right with God. That's what you've got to do. you got to follow the rules. you got to make sure everything is just so you have to be in control. I think that's what's behind their question. You see, when you look at the, the tradition of the elders, when you look at, at seeing what this is, it's, it's taking the law, it's trying to understand it, but it's really moving more and more into a particular way of being, the I've got this way of being. Like, it's on me. Like, I'll control this. I'll make this happen. It's self-sufficiency. I think that's what's going on with the Pharisees' question. And see, Jesus, he wants to undo that. But, but what I think is happening here is the Pharisees, this way of being, this I've got this approach, this control, it's focusing on the outside. It's focusing on the outside. That's kind of what happens. Like, what, what can we control? Well, we, we can control kind of what happens here, like what I do. Like, that's what we control. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to wash my hands just like the priests were supposed to. I want to make sure that I'm clean and, and just right before God. And again, to give them credit, they were being earnest, but they were operating in the wrong kind of way. And this wrong kind of way leads them to focus on the outside. It leads the, the, the mindset to be like, how do I make sure that everything looks good out here? Because when, when we're operating in that way, when it's about control and self-sufficiency, it's about what things look like on the outside. And that's what they were doing. They were focused on the outside. I think we can do that sometimes too. We can fall into this way of being where it's about control and it's about focus on the outside. You know, we, we, we will put on the image. You know, here's the running joke in Morton's. Like, we'll mow the front part of our lawns, but not the back, right? Like, hey, we're putting on the image, right? We're, we're making it look good out here, but you can't see what's behind me, right? Like, that's, that's the joke, right? We'll mow the front, but not the back. We'll put on makeup and put our best self forward as we go out. It's like, okay, yeah. We'll put the highlights on social media. It's like, oh, here's what the kids are doing, and here's the great pictures from our trip, but you didn't see the 30 that I took that were terrible and, you know, and the meltdowns that were happening along the way. Like, we, on social media, we put our best self forward. You know, when people ask, how are you doing? Oh, things are great. Kids are doing good. Here's all the stuff they're all about. And Yeah, it's great. When really, five minutes ago, we were just in a fight with our spouse. We'll do the things on the outside to make ourselves look good. We even do that with church things. We go to church. On Sunday morning, it's like, oh, I'm in church. I'm here. I go to Bible study. I'll do my Bible study homework. Like, I'll go through all my questions and make sure I got the right answer. So like, hey, I've got my, my work done. So we get the right answer. And we got our work done. We'll do these things because they're good and, and they're worthy to be done, but, but really, why are we doing them? What's motivating us? Am I just doing it so that I've got everything on the outside looking the way that it's supposed to? You know, I don't, I don't say those four-letter cuss words. I vote a certain way. Like, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but what's my motivation? 
I think sometimes it's about control. We can live in this mode, this way of being. It's like I'm, I'm manufacturing the image. I'll do what I can to focus on the outside. So we can do that. That's the temptation here. To be like the Pharisees, to just focus on the outside, to control things outside here. But Jesus wants to offer us something different. He wants to offer us something better, something deeper. And so that's what I want to turn to next. I want to look and see what Jesus says in response to this. So come back to the text. Pick up reading in verse 6. Jesus replied, Isaiah, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like this. So Jesus is getting pretty intense with them here. The first thing he does is he quotes Isaiah. And he's going back to the prophet Isaiah where, where he quotes these words, like they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like, they go through the motions. On the outside, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but their hearts, they're far from me. They're not close to me. Like, they're the inner inside of themselves, like, they're not with me. And so they worship me in vain. Ooh. And this is what he's saying to them, to the Pharisees. He's taking Isaiah, the words that he's got here, and he's saying, this is you. And he calls them hypocrites. And that word hypocrite, like we're pretty familiar with it, but kind of coming back to where it originated, the word came from a Greek word that meant play actor. Someone who'd get on stage, put on a mask, and be different than they were in everyday life. He's like, this is you. You're play acting. You're putting on the face. You're putting on the mask. You're doing the right things, but your hearts, they're far from me. And what he does is he gives them an example. So he talks about this whole, like, in the law, it says, honor your father and mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And if anyone who doesn't, they're going to be put to death. That's a pretty kind of harsh sort of thing there. But you say, if something is Corbin, it's devoted to God. Now, so Mark adds that little explanation there in the parenthetical. But this word literally means, like, devoted to God. But it's a practice that they developed in the tradition. Basically, what it would say is, like, hey, I've got all this money or these resources, this land, I'm going to de dedicate that to God. It's almost like I'm willing it to the temple. So when I die, all this stuff that I have, it's going to go to the church. It's going to go to the temple. So you've got some aging parents. They need help. They need to be taken care of. Oh, no, no, sorry. I can't give you any of my money. It's already been earmarked for the church. I can't help you. This was a practice that they would do. 
And there's actually like a penalty. If you said like this is dedicated to the, to the temple, it's Corbin, but then renege on that, you actually owed a penalty. And I don't remember what it was. It was like 30, 50 shekels, something like that. But like you were to pay a penalty if you didn't follow through. And that's what Jesus is saying here is like you've put this practice in place and look what it's doing. It's nullifying the word of God. It's nullifying the law. Honor your parents, but you use this as a way to escape that. That is what God is saying. I mean, he's, Jesus, he's being, he's being intense here. He's being sharp. He's like, you're missing it. And I think that's what we need to see in this text. From Jesus' response to them, and this nullifying the word of God, he's almost coming in to say that focusing on the outside leads us to miss the most important things. It leads us to miss what is actually most important. If we start focusing on the outside, start focusing on what's out here, we'll miss what's the intent, what's good, what's proper, what's right here. We'll miss it. That's what he's accusing them of. And that's what happens. This, this example that he cites, like, they're taking something that's minor and, and, and overriding the major. Jesus is coming in to say, like, you, you're doing something that might be good, but you're doing it in the wrong way, and therefore it's not the right thing. Jesus is, is leveraging this critique to them to say, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. And so he goes on. I want you to pick back up in verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd, gathered the crowd. Hey, everybody, come here, come here. And he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, what comes out of a person defiles them. Verse 17. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Verse 18. Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but it goes into their stomach and then out of the body. So now, just a little aside here, like families, kids. Jesus talks about poop right here, right? Like, so here's a moment you can kind of say, hey, Jesus can be really funny, right? So here he is. He's talking about this movement of something going in the body and then out. He's like, and then it misses the heart. It's just toilet stuff. Like, so right here, he's making, he's making fun of it, but he's also being pretty serious. Like, here's the contrast. The stuff that goes into us, it doesn't matter. It's waste. It's what comes out. That's what matters. That's what defiles. So keep reading. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. That's Mark's insertion there. So verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. What he's saying here is that what matters is what comes from the inside not from the outside. It's not a matter of what you're putting in or what you're doing out here. 
It's what's coming in from the outside. It's what's coming from the inside out. That, that's what he's pointing to. It's, it's not outside in. And what he's doing here is he's shifting their perspective. So coming back to like being right, being right with God, it's about what's happening at the heart level. If you want to be clean, if you want to be pure, that's where it matters. It's not what your hands are. It's not what's happening out here. No, 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 no. It's about what's going on on the inside. That's what matters. And see, the Pharisees, their idea, their framework was what's happening on the outside changes what's on the inside. So I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm going to pray the right prayers. And they're missing it. See, Jesus is changing the framework here. The movement is not outside in, but it's inside out. It's inside out. Now, if that's true, I'm curious. How do you feel right now? Like, hmm, so if it's inside out, what can I do about that? Because I'm sure the Pharisees are like, we're doing all the right things, but they're missing it. So if they're the ones who are like the pastors of the day, they're the ones who are doing it right, and they're missing it, what do I do about that? Like, what is it that makes me right with God? If it's not being good on the outside, if it's not being clean and and pure, if it's not doing it out here, what can I do? Nothing. Nothing. That's the bad news of this. Jesus is coming in and saying it's inside out. It starts here at the heart level. What can you do about that? Nothing. You cannot do a thing. But Jesus says, but I can. I can. Two texts from the Old Testament. Jeremiah 31. Maybe this is familiar to you. But these are some words that the prophet Jeremiah quotes about what's to come, what God's going to do after the exile, and it's this. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, after the exile. I will put my law in their minds and will write it on their hearts. Then Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Good news. Jesus has come to give us this new heart. And he leads us in a new way. See, what God was prophesying, what he was looking forward to was this day when we would no longer try to do it ourselves Not try to manufacture something on the outside, but rather realize our need for him to step in. We need him to come in and rescue us. We need him to give us this heart of flesh. We've got a heart of stone. We've got a heart that leads to all these things that Jesus is talking about. He has come to fix that, to redeem that, to make it right. And so Jesus would go, to a cross. He would put his life down for us in our place and say, I will trade places with you. I will exchange my life for yours. And then I'll be raised again in three days to give you power to live out this kind of reality I'm bringing, this kingdom that's coming. I want you to be a part of that. Trust me. 
align with me. See that you need me to give you this heart, and I'll give it to you. That is what Jesus accomplished. We have this new heart. By faith, when we trust him, when we say, I'm going with you, Jesus, I want to follow you, new heart. Changed from the inside out. And by doing this, he gives us a new way. Instead of working out our own self-sufficiency and trying to do it on our own strength, he says, no, 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 it's not about control. It's about surrender. It's about dependence on me. You no longer operate on your own, but rather you go with me. By the power of the Spirit, the one leading us from our hearts, he shows us the way forward. He teaches us. He brings Jesus' words to mind, and he changes us. He transforms us from the inside out. We walk by the power of the Spirit. That is our new heart, the new way. It's not control. It's not self-sufficiency. It's not focusing on the outside, but rather it's turning to the Spirit who's leading us from our hearts, inside out. That is what Jesus came to bring. That is what he came to do. And that is what he came to help us unlearn. It's not about control. It's not about cleanliness of our hands. It's about the cleanliness that he gives us in our hearts. Jesus comes to give us new hearts and a new way. What does that actually look like? I have three thoughts, and this isn't all of it, but this is a way for us to begin to walk into this, I believe. So the first thing, I think what we want to do is we want to notice our motivations. Where is our heart? If we're a believer, we've chosen to follow Jesus, say, yep, I want to go with him. If we've made that choice, we have a new heart. That is already true. But we've got time where we need to unlearn our old patterns. We have to unlearn the ways that we used to do things. Our tendency is to control, to be like Pharisees, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manufacture, I'm going to look good on the outside. We've got to unlearn that. We've got to relearn different motivation. And so the first part of that is to notice, to bring to our awareness, bring to the surface what, are, what is our motivation? What's moving us forward? Is it trying to be in our own strength, our self-sufficiency, our control? Try to look good to other people? Hey, social media, yay, you know. Is it that, or do we have a different motivation? We've got to name that first. So this is the act of reflection, of meditation, of, of becoming self-aware. Build this into your pattern. When you come to church, ask, like, why am I here? What am I doing? Really? And maybe you're here for the right reasons. Great. Maybe you're not, and that's okay. It's not about, like, oh, I can't do that because there's still control. But it's a matter of just here's what is. Naming it. Notice your motivations. Once we do that, number two, submit them to Jesus. Submit everything to Jesus. We bring our motivations to like, okay, I'm coming to church, but I'm coming because I know I'm supposed to. Jesus, help me with this. Submit it to him and allow him to say, you come because you're my son. You're my daughter. I want you here. I want to be with you. That is your motivation. 
Your motivation now is Jesus himself, the love that he has for you, the grace and truth that he offers to you. That is our new motivation. It's not our self-sufficiency, but it's dependence on him. And how we get there is we consciously bring it to him, whatever it is. So we're submitting to him. That spiritual discipline of prayer and submission, coming to Jesus with what we've got in us, good or bad, whatever it is, and we surrender it, we release to him. That is the way we begin to step into the new way of Jesus. That's number two. And then number three, pursue authenticity and transparency with others. Authenticity and transparency with others. The tendency is to be like the Pharisees, put on the mask, like I've got it all together and look at me. What Jesus is pushing us to do is to take the mask off, is to let down and let go and to be authentic about our our successes and our failures. To say like, here's me. I'm not going to just put on the show. I'm not just going to make everything look good. I'm rather going to be transparent and authentic. We consciously choose the way of honesty with other people. It takes time. Our tendency, again, is to put on the mask to show our best selves or or make it look like we've got it all together. Like, hey, can we release that? Can we operate in a different motivation? We are loved right where we are, who we are, warts and all, and allow then Jesus to move us from that place, to grow more and more to be like him. That is what this is all about. So, church family, Jesus, he gives us a new heart and a new way. I think this is going to be true for us as a church. Today is our Merge Sunday. We're bringing our campuses together. We're entering a new chapter in our story. I think it is going to be the story of hearts that are fully surrendered. Not trying to control, not trying to operate out of our own self-interested motivation, but rather because we are loved and therefore we love. We share what we have received from the Lord. We become authentic people, not trying to put on the mask, but to step forward transparently, trying to follow Jesus the best that we can, knowing he's right there with us. This, this is what I want our story to be. And it all happens because Jesus gives us a new heart and a new way. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you for this good news. We're not on our own. We don't do this on our own strength, but rather we do it with you. We do it because you love us. You provide the way for us, and we depend on you. God, our tendency is to operate in control, manufacturing outcomes, trying to make ourselves look good on the outside. God, you want our hearts. You want our inside. You want us to operate differently. So help us to do that. God, today is the first Sunday of what's next. Whatever it is that you might have for us, God, we want to trust you. We want to go with you. We want to be dependent upon you. So help us to do that. 
Show us where we're still operating in our own strength, trying to control outcomes. Help us to operate with you following your lead. God, I want us to get down the road five, seven, ten years and where we see a marked difference, where we're pushing even deeper into this. God, I think we do it in so many ways already. But we want to keep going. We want to keep pushing into your new way of doing things. Help us to do that, God. In every area of life, in all that we are, would we be fully surrendered to you. Thank you for equipping us, God. Thank you for giving us this new heart. Holy Spirit, lead us forward in it. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.